and welcome to The Hustle, a professional development podcast series in conjunction with the Mastercard Foundation Scholars Program. I'm your host, Hallie Rubera, an alum of the Mastercard Foundation Scholars Program at Wellesley College. And with this series, I will share the stories of accomplished African professionals from different backgrounds, currently working in investment banking, management consulting, big tech, and more. Each episode discusses the wide array of career opportunities and provides listeners with advice about working at top firms such as Goldman Sachs, Facebook, and Novartis. The title of this podcast, The Hustle, is an ode to my hometown of Nairobi, Kenya, which I love and where the spirit of the hustle, hard work, and resilience shines bright. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Sandra Kimokoti. Sandra is currently a senior project manager at Dalberg in Nairobi. She earned her bachelor's degree in biology from Brown University. Her past experience has been as a summer associate at Omidia Network, a research intern at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, Royce Sport and Society Fellow, and more recently a rugby coach at Nyabomo Secondary School. Um, welcome to the podcast, Sandra. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Hani. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So you've done quite a bit um, within your professional development journey. And I just want to quickly first talk about management consulting. So what does it mean to do management consulting? And more specifically for Dalberg, what kinds of projects does Dalberg work on in East Africa? Yeah, so management consulting is basically providing advisory, advisory services um, to a range of clients. They could be corporate, they could be government, they could be you know, multilaterals, foundations, NGOs. Um, and we typically aim to try and help people improve their organizational performance or help them roll out and implement um, programs in, in a more efficient and in a better way. So at Dalberg, our whole premise is, you know, we're an impact first firm. And what that means is our focus is on ensuring people everywhere can be able to fulfill um, their potential. So we, we work with clients in the public sector, private sector, and, and philanthropic sectors across a range of, of, um, of, of topics in what's commonly known as the international development space. And so what kind of people does consulting attract um, and why should students consider it as a career path? Consulting, I believe, attracts a very broad range uh, of people. A lot of people go into it, um, one, to just learn about what kinds of opportunities are out there and what they could focus on. Um, so a lot of people leaving school sometimes will not have a clear idea in their mind of what sector they want to focus on. And so then many of them will apply into consulting because it gives you the exposure to multiple different industries and, you know, gives a bit of time to learn about what's out there um, in the world that you could potentially dive deeper into after you've gained a few years of work experience. There's also people who go into consulting knowing they want to be consultants. So some, some consulting firms are boutique consulting firms. So for instance, they work primarily in let's say the healthcare space or the technology space. And so those typically attract folks who know they have an interest in a particular sector and, and want to dedicate their time um, in that particular industry. But it's, 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 a, it's a broad range of folks that end up going into consulting. It's very hard to say what the archetype is uh, because it attracts all kinds of, of people. Yeah, and you did mention that you do a lot of your advisory work at Dalberg is with NGOs, is the public sector, and you studied biology from at Brown. So, you know, how how do you make the connection between what you studied? Because it seems very sciencey, very like lab work. 
So how have you seen kind of those skills transfer into your current role right now, even when you started, but now you're more senior, but even as you started, how did you find that connection between studying biology as an undergrad and then going into consulting um, right after graduating? My transition to consulting was actually because I knew half within my program that I did not want to become a scientist, but I was already quite, you know, quite far down the line with my course requirements. So I decided I'll just finish my degree, but I'll, I'll try and see what else is, is out there. Um, and so with, with the move to consulting, for me, it was an opportunity to explore what's different um, beyond science, because I knew I didn't want to spend the next you know, five or so years of my life in lab, trying to get a PhD or doing research. Um, so it really gave me an opportunity to learn about what opportunities are out there. In terms of, you know, how did my experience translate directly? Um, you know, from a content perspective, not quite, not quite directly. I, I did one project that was for a pharmaceutical company where then the bio knowledge was relevant. Um, but throughout the last five years, I can't say there's anything in particular about, you know, being a bio major that has helped me pursue this um, degree. I mean, this, this, this career path. The things that, I, that have been significant were more of, personality traits than anything relevant to the degree that that I got in undergrad. So, you know, consulting requires a lot of grit and resilience <laughs> uh, because, you know, sometimes you're working with intense deadlines. Um, it requires a, a, a learning mindset because sometimes you're exposed to industries where you have no prior experience and you need to get smart quickly. So I would say, you know, what's more important than the degree that you studied is your mindset and your your willingness to adapt and learn as you go along. Is there a way to prepare if, you know, I, I listen to this podcast and I love everything Sandra said, um, but I also just don't know how to break in. Is there a way to prepare myself to recruit for a consulting role? Um, what, what should students do? Yeah, I mean, typically you want to first understand um, what kind of consulting you might enjoy. Um, you know, do you want to be at a firm that's more generalist that will give you exposure to a broad set of industries? Or do you want to go into a more boutique industry? Understanding your own interests is the first step so that whatever your, you, whatever companies you're applying to are institutions that are aligned with what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to learn. Um, the second thing, as you probably know, is, you know, just case interviews that they're a big part of the recruitment process for consulting companies. Um, and you can find multiple resources online, even if you, you know, especially if your school doesn't have on-campus um, consulting recruitment support. There's a lot of free material online on case studies and, and how you can prepare to get into, get into the industry. Sandra, I'm really honored to have you on this podcast. And, you know, it's great because a lot more students are going to know about consulting if they've never heard of it probably going to pick their curiosity. Um, but for me, I grew up in Nairobi and I'd never heard of Dalberg until my second year of college. And I know Dalberg had had like significant operations in Kenya by that point, but that's like 2016 or 2017. So, you know, how would you advise to go about learning about different options while you're in college, especially if you just like have no idea this even exists, right? Like you can be at a point where you just don't know what you don't know. Um, yeah, so how, how do you get to know what's out there? What's like the importance of curiosity? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the first thing I'll say on that is that, um, you know, it's, it's no one's responsibility to teach you what's out there. That's, that's on you and you have to own your own career development path. Um, and so, you know, depending on the kind of environment that you're in, 
one option is school career resources because a lot of firms will use um, you know the school the school career lab or um, you know career career services to support the recruiting efforts so they're a good way to learn about you know who's recruiting um, and just ensure that you know if, if you need to subscribe to those list cells that you're on them and you're getting those notifications I think another great resource um, is, is is LinkedIn um, and for example when you hear about one company you know, identify from a Google search who their competitors are in the field because they're probably do, they're doing similar things and then follow them on LinkedIn, um, see what kind of content they're putting out there. It gives you more exposure into the kinds of problems that they're solving. It also gives, allows you to have more visibility into the recruitment cycle and when, and when opportunities are opening up. So, you know, you had mentioned earlier on that you also started out, you know, you started out as a biochemistry major in college and you later decided not to go down that path. You took time, some time off from school and that's kind of what led you into consulting and, you know, figuring out what you wanted as next steps. And as we were preparing for this podcast, you said something really poignant to me, um, which is direction trumps speed. So can you elaborate a little bit on why it was important for you to take time off? And because I know a lot of students sometimes get to a point during college and they just like have no idea um, what to do moving forward, um, but are not also certain about taking time off or kind of like, you know, taking, you know, pressing the brakes, pumping the brakes and kind of figuring out what else is out there. So, yeah, can you just elaborate a little bit about um, this philosophy of just right, direction, tramp speed? Yeah, so when I was an undergrad, um... I, as I mentioned, I knew halfway through that the course I was pursuing was not what I wanted to do after school. And I, just, I initially decided to just finish the degree and figure things out later. But um, when, I, when I finished my third year, I realized, you know, I, I really, really don't want to keep, to keep doing this. Um, and my options at the time were either in school uh, and, and push my way through a research thesis that I had absolutely no interest in, um, try to get a position in the lab that was doing research that I did not find interesting or engaging, um, or take some time off and, and think about what my next steps could be and, and how I need to position myself for that. Um, and for me, I, I chose to take um, a semester off from college to figure things out. One, because I knew if I continued down this path, I was I was locking myself into a science, science path um, and I knew it was not going to make me happy in the long term. But also I would be in school doing something that was making me reasonable. I mean, sorry, making me miserable. And um, it, just, it just didn't seem like a good use of time or money because school is expensive um to spend a whole year doing something that you're not fully sold you're not fully sold on um so it you know it, it made more sense to me to take a pause think a bit about what my interests are what are the things out there that i can explore try a few things and there and then come back and say okay you know given what i've learned what i've seen where do i think i should go because at the time i knew it's not it's not being a researcher but I wasn't very clear on what next. I just knew what it was not. <laughs> and so taking the time off gave me the space to get clarity on what other options exist out there for me that I can pursue. I don't have anything else to add on it. I mean, I, I think that I asked this question specifically because I know a lot of people in college as well had the same feeling, but just were not certain about 
kind of stopping because it's almost like you built your identity around it like you've always been you know a biochemistry major you've been a bio major and like what happens when you stop that you know what are the next steps so there's like a fear around it but uh i'm glad that you shared your experience and you know whoever's listening can know that it's okay to take time just to think about next steps and uh it's also okay to not know and to be confused at some point but the thing is to not stop it's to figure out okay what's next you know like if this doesn't work out then what's next um yeah and you know just over and above that just having a sense of direction is is great and i know a lot of us um suffer from comparing ourselves to peers um i know like you i don't know whether you probably thought about this while you were making a decision to take time off you know like how about my peers are going to finish quickly and get into the job market and blah 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 and like afford this and this and this and like their lives are gonna go xyz um you know what about that um yeah i know i did i compared myself a lot to to peers as well when i was making my decisions and kind of thinking like yeah I, you know i want to kind of um level up to what i'm seeing around me so just curious to know why is it important for you to focus on your own journey and how also do you do it with confidence without feeling down if you just don't feel like you're, you know, at, at a level that you want to be or at a level that you think you should be. Yeah, you, you raised something that's, you know, quite significant, this question of identity. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it's difficult to change direction um, in school because for a long time, you've wrapped your identity around the career you're going to have in the future um, or the thing that you are going to study and, you know, and, and become. Um, and for me, I think just being being a STEM major, being a black woman, I felt there was a lot of pressure to be, you know, like the face of the race <laughs> and, and, and showcase how black women in STEM are doing well. Um, and so then I felt like, you know, me pulling out of this biochemistry degree is me saying black women can't make it in this space, um, which is not true at all, right? It's your your my my belief is that your utmost responsibility is to live the best life that you can be that's the best example you can set for anyone um and it does nobody any good for you to go down a path that makes you miserable to try and, and keep up appearances um so 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 then you know you have to go through a process of removing yourself <laughs> from the expectations uh of other people and and giving yourself the space to really be you because that's the only way you'll be the best version of yourself. Um, and so for me, you know, I had friends in college, other, other black women who were pursuing STEM, STEM majors and, and were thriving in them. Um, to, be, to be quite honest, I didn't really struggle so much with comparing myself because my focus was on, you know, what's going to bring me joy and therefore what, what am I more likely to succeed in? And that gave me the courage to say, I need to take time to pause, right? And I think um, when you're in that environment where it seems like everybody's rushing to graduation, people are now applying for jobs, it can be a bit daunting to be the one that's taking a step back and that will graduate a semester or a year later. And, you know, your peers look like they figured everything out. Um, but, you know, there's, there's no point of you locking yourself down a particular path, especially if you're not sure it's going to bring you joy and, and fulfillment. You know, it's, it's more meaningful to take some time and explore a few other options and be sure that you're going to go down a path that is going to bring you peace, right? There's no award for who graduates on time. <laughs> um, and at, at, 
at the end of the day you have to go home and live with yourself and live with your with your daily choices and live with the life that you've crafted for yourself and the folks that you're comparing yourself with are not going to be experiencing the anguish and angst and regret that you're feeling at not taking the other options that were presented to you because you are you are rushing to compare yourself to them yeah and and you know i i think i i also want to just push a little bit further on that um you know when you're in college you're like 20 21 22 um i think those are really hard decisions to make uh, i'm just curious to know whether you had any kind of support system whether you tapped into mentors to guide you throughout the journey you know whether you had some people you know just do you have some people that you chatted with that kind of also helped you um you know chart a clear path for yourself when i decided to take time off my support system was mainly my family and and a few friends at the time i was sort of struggling with the idea of you know am i am i falling back i want to graduate on time and a friend of mine said to me you know this is this is your race and it's not about when you finish it's about finishing on the right path um and that actually gave me the courage to you know take that step and and take a semester off from school and then my parents on the other hand i just explained to them that you know i'm not sure the course i'm pursuing is what i actually want to do and instead of you paying tuition for me to go back to school i think it makes more sense for me to take some time off and actually think through you know what path is more suitable for me and my parents were very on board uh, with that i mean they've always been supportive of me pursuing things that i care about and only doing you know what makes sense to me so i really didn't have any pressure to stay in school um when i felt like you know i should be taking this time off and doing something else all the pressure was in, was from myself internally uh, but my family and my family was very supportive my parents and and my friends as well on matters of identity um so yeah you had you know you had your bio going on but you also were a rugby player um did you feel like even just having some of other things going on did you feel like that brought a sense of balance to your life and why is it important to pursue interests out of outside of work outside of class having things that i was doing outside of just my my degree definitely helped me not feel like my identity is tied to me being a biochem major or me becoming a biochemist um and rugby actually played a huge role in just my development as a person uh in terms of me being able to come to a place where i can detach myself from putting my identity in anything that i do um so i mean with sports you have seasons where you're injured um and you're out and in those particular seasons you're you know not adding a lot of value to the team and you can feel like you know who am i uh, without this the sport who am i without all the accolades and having gone through that you know in college with rugby got me to a place where i was quite comfortable detaching my identity from the things that i was doing being a rugby player did bring a sense of balance to my life um and i i think it's because of the level at which i was playing i at the time was considering potentially you know playing professionally or at least semi professionally and so for me it it was a legitimate you know career path that 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 i could take um i think also just having rugby as a venting mechanism was was useful for me and, and i felt like it gave me the space to just be myself and do something that was entirely for me and and not for anybody else 
I think it's important for folks to have things that you care about outside of, you know, work and just class that give you the space to double in things that are important to you, um, even if they might not, you know, in the immediate um, term have like a monetary impact. I think as long as you have something that gives you a sense of grounding, um, you know, that's that, that's something I consider an asset. For me, it wasn't just the fact that rugby was a potential career path. It was also because a lot of my friends and a lot of my support system came from my rugby team. And so the kind of balance I'm talking about is not just like having an extracurricular activity. It was also, for me, kind of like an emotional and, and mental balance because it was a space where I felt loved, I felt supported, I felt encouraged. Um, and my team was my tribe. And so, you know, it, it brought a sense of balance in the sense of, you know, when I'm when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, there's a space where I know I can go and I'm accepted and I'm encouraged and I'm loved. And I think it's important for folks to proactively think about how you build that system into your life. You know, who are the folks that you can go to that provide that sense of balance? It might not be an activity. You know, your balance might come from a group of people um, or some friends or a particular community that you're involved in. But I think it's important to think through what helps stabilize you. Um, and, you know, how do you define yourself outside of your work and, and your schoolwork? Yeah, and so I also just want to think about, um, you know, talk a little bit about your experience in the U.S. and kind of your transition back to Nairobi. So, you know, you mentioned that you had this time off to think about what you wanted to do and, you know, decided that Dalberg was going to be it. But you had also had some opportunities to work in the U.S. other than the research opportunities, because you've made it clear that you were not going to be a researcher. Uh, but you, you were a summer associate at Omidyar Network. So how did you make your decision to, you know, transition back home after living in the U.S. for four years? The decision to move back home after undergrad, honestly, for me, was very easy. I think having been in the U.S. for some time, um, I just got tired of dealing with microaggressions, to be honest, as, as a Black woman. And I knew that, you know, consulting was a potential career path for me um, because I'd already done an internship at Dalberg. But I also didn't want to go and work for a firm that was a white boys club. Um, and so, you know, going back home gave me the chance to do a few things. It gave me the opportunity to work with Dalberg, which was a firm that I had enjoyed interning at. I liked the kind of work that, that the company did. I liked my colleagues. Um, it gave me the opportunity to play rugby because I, you know, figured I could play for the national team while I was at home. And it also gave me the chance to see family often and, and be close to the people I cared about. So those three things honestly made the decision to move back home very, very easy for me. You know, once I got home from Dalberg, I didn't even think twice, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, it was work that was mentally stimulating and interesting to me. I would be able to see family and I would still be able to explore the opportunity um, of chasing a career in rugby, I mean, whether or not it materialized, at least it gave me the chance to do that actively. Um, so the choice was a combination of, you know, having solid career options back home and then also um, just the chance to be with family um, in the long term. So like, did you did you network your way into Dalberg? Like how how do you get into Dalberg? 
Um, I, I applied to Dalberg through the Africa Careers Network, um, which is a platform for um, ALA students and alumni and MasterCard Foundation scholars to secure um, job and internship opportunities. So I applied for my internship through that platform. But before I applied, I spoke to um, friends who had interned at Dalberg before, um, just learn about the experience, get a feel for whether it would be something that I would enjoy. Um, and after having a few conversations, I decided, you know, I think I, I would like this. So I gave it a shot. Yeah. And, and you've gone up to senior project manager, so you must have liked it or you must have liked some things about it. Um, and, you know, consulting is touted as one of those industries that, like you mentioned at the beginning, that you get in because, you know, people do it for different reasons. But a lot of times people get in and, you know, they have lots of exit opportunities after some time there. Um, and so with all the long hours, with all kind of like the things that you've mentioned up front, like the need for grit, the need for, um, you know, wanting to learn really quickly, all that, what are some of the things that have kept you um, at, the, at the company for so long if, you know, kind of the initial years are a lot of grant work? So I've, I've been at Dalberg for five years now. Um, and, you know, I've stayed this long because, you know, every year I felt like I still have the opportunity to grow. I think if I had felt like I, I've reached a point where you know, I'm not learning, I'm not mentally stimulated, or, you know, there's a glass ceiling, um, I probably would have left. So when I say growth opportunities, it's it's in terms of one, just the learning path and the opportunities to stretch myself. But then two, also, you know, Dalberg is a meritocracy. And, you know, knowing that my career growth is not hindered um, by you know, my gender, my race, or any other factors, it's, you know, it's really based on merit. I think that that's been an encouraging factor that's kept me here for so long. Um, the other thing is that the, I really do enjoy the kind of work that we do. Um, so, I, you know, I, I work with governments, corporates, um, you know, donors, large foundations. So that, that diversity of clients, I think I, I've enjoyed seeing how different kinds of organizations think about how they contribute to having a positive impact on the on the world, and I've enjoyed the the process of helping them think through how they can achieve that. Um, I also really like working with the folks at Dalberg. I think if if I didn't enjoy working with my colleagues, if I I hated the work, I hated I didn't enjoy you know I, I didn't enjoy the the people I work with. I probably would have left by now. But I think the combination of um, just the, the mental challenge, good colleagues and interesting work um, and growth opportunities has kept me there for this long. You've said a lot of the things that have kind of resonated across different episodes of the podcast. It's like go to a place where you're learning, where you're constantly challenging yourself. And, you know, yeah, that's I guess that's how you also learn more about yourself and more about your interests, make impact. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, this feels like it's gone super quickly because <laughs> we've come to the end of the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed spending this um, half hour with you, but this is a question that I've been asking um, every single one of my guests that's been on the podcast, um, which is, what's one thing you think you've done well when you think about um, the decisions that you've made regarding your professional career and what's one thing you wish you had done better? I think one of the things I've done well when I think about my professional career is being willing 
to try um even when i'm asked to do something that i've never done before or something that i have no experience in i think i've for the most part i've been willing to say i'll try and and, and do my best and and see what the result is um when i was in high school a friend of mine gave me some advice and he said you know when somebody asks you to do something don't say i don't know how say i'll try <laughs> and so that i try and keep that attitude and over the years it's opened up a lot of doors and opportunities for me and allowed me to be in spaces that i don't think i would have been in if i if i wasn't willing to take a risk and and stretch myself i think on the flip side one thing that i wish i had done better is take language learning more seriously um i mean i i i speak a bit of french and so i've had opportunities to do some work in francophone africa which i really enjoyed i think if my fluency was at a better level i might have had more opportunities to do work in francophone africa um but i think overall i just wish i had taken um language learning more seriously early early in my career um with consulting like i mentioned you know it can be a steep learning curve depending on the kinds of projects you get staffed on and it's important to remain hungry for knowledge and teachable um and i i strive to do that constantly so that i'm i'm always learning always growing and you know it's 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 paid off because i i've got an exposure to things that um i would not have been exposed to and i think that sometimes you know when you when you want to stay in your comfort zone and do only what you're familiar with you lose out on certain opportunities because you won't be able to connect the dots in certain you know in certain ways because you your your scope is so limited some of the things i think i could have done differently was also expose myself more to differing opinions differing um spaces uh places that i didn't feel necessarily comfortable because just like you said that's where you you learn the most and that's where you grow the most and that's also kind of where you get exposure to so many opportunities so many ways of thinking so many ways of living some which are usually better um and i think that i really like was very fixated on staying inside you know having a comfort group like having uh yeah just really not challenging myself as much as i should have um and yeah so it's really it's been it's been actually a great experience um having different people on the podcast talk about that because it's also been highlighted across very many different episodes so uh thank you so much for sharing and you know as we come to a close i think that a lot of our listeners would be really really curious to hear just a little bit more about your um stint as a player for the national rugby team but also you you were like a fellow you were a coach at Nyabomo secondary school like it doesn't to be honest i don't know how else to say but it doesn't sound like a typical thing you do when you're in college and you're like you know as like a, a summer internship so like what what drove you to be you know go into this secondary school and then decide to just coach uh or be a fellow with the Roy Sport Society uh, be a fellow with the Roy Sport and society oh, sorry be a fellow with the Roy yeah okay yes <laughs> <laughs> so so the Roy um fellowship for sport and society um is you know based on the premise that sport can be a force for good um and so they they award students with you know between 4 and 5000 dollars for a summer to to do a project um that uses sport um you know to improve to improve society um so i you know had been playing rugby for a few years now you know two and a half or so years i was in the middle of my junior year 
and was thinking about what I would be doing um, with my summer. And, you know, rugby had changed the way that I perceived myself um, as a woman and the way that I perceived my body. I think I grew up, I guess, with this mentality of, you know, my body is meant to look a certain way and have a certain aesthetic um, so it can be pleasing to certain people. And when I began to play rugby, you know, there was like some, there was a switch that flipped in my mind and, you know, it, it moved from me seeing my body in, in this way to, to, to seeing it as you know, like a functional tool, right? Um, it became about like what my body could do. And so for me, playing rugby was like a celebration of what my body could achieve. And it like, it really changed my mindset about myself. Um, and so then I began to think about, well, how do you use this sport that has historically been most, you know, available to mostly boys and men? How do you use it to change the way that young women perceive themselves and what they're capable of? And a lot of times we, you know, we say that if you can believe it, then you can, you can achieve it. But the flip is also true, right? Because when you're playing a sport, a lot of times you just do what the coach says. The coach says, we're going to run today and you run until you collapse, right? And so there's a very real sense in which playing sports pushes your body to the limits and actually being able to cross those limits before you actually believe you can do it. And then that, that, that then changes something in your mind and you begin believing that you can do things, right? Um, yeah. So then you know, taking that hypothesis, um, I applied for the fellowship and, you know, I, I, I worked with high school girls in Western Kenya and Kitale, where I'm from, um, to, you know, just using rugby and combining that with reproductive health education to just promote self-agency uh, among these girls and just drive home the message that you're in control of your body, you're in control of what you can achieve. And, you know, once you believe that, like there's, there's no barriers, there's no barriers for you. So we would combine rugby and those health ed sessions. So two, two, two sessions a week on rugby, two sessions a week on reproductive health ed for about, you know, two, two and a half months. So that was, you know, the whole, that was the program. And it was a lot of fun, um, a bit challenging because, you know, dealing with teenagers and high schoolers. <laughs> um, I think my, my biggest regret with that is, I was in that space and then went back to college and didn't really have a plan for continuity, you know? So for, mm -hmm. after I left, who then takes over, does it just die? And I, I wish I'd put a bit more thought into that when I was planning out the program. Um, but it, it taught me a lot and, you know, hopefully taught a few other people a lot as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's really exciting. To me, it, it sounds like, you know, you you had this opportunity to you know, learn a lot to gain a lot of insights about the world, about yourself, and you decided to pay it forward with, you know, working in, in Western, Western Kenya where, uh, with these girls. And, I, you know, I'm just curious to know also just as we close up, like what, what is the benefit of, you know, sharing this information when you find, like pay, paying it forward, paying kind of um, the good things that have, that have happened to you. What is the benefit of paying some of those things forward onto other people who might not have access, onto people who might not have the chance or the privileges um, that you've received in your life? The importance of, of paying it forward is that you begin to bring people onto the decision-making table, 
um, which is especially important for people who are not represented <laughs> typically at you know in these rooms and you, you 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 give them the chance to have their own voice at the table and the opportunity to represent people that that look like them um mm-hmm. i think it's for me paying it forward is is not just like something that you do out of the goodness of your heart it's it's a moral obligation yeah yeah, I, I don't think there's any other better way to end this podcast. Like, yeah, it's a moral obligation for you to really like share what you have um, and pull more people up when you have the chance, when you have the opportunity, when, you know, to share the privileges that you have. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Sandra, for also sharing your experience with us on this podcast. I think it was really insightful just to hear about your personal journey. Thank you for your candor. Um, I know a lot of us like struggle with exactly the same feelings that you had while you were in college, but I'm not necessarily, like I said, um, sure about steps to take or also feeling isolated. I think even just the feeling of isolation and feeling like you're alone um, in that process can make it makes it harder and makes it worse when it comes to making a decision about um you know next steps but i really appreciate that you were open in sharing uh your thought process and sharing kind of um you know yeah just that at some point you just do not know what to do um, and that's okay thank you so much sandra thanks for having me hallie uh, it's been a pleasure